and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. This week and for the next two weeks, we are going to be talking about the Beatitudes. What are the Beatitudes? We've all read them. We probably had to memorize them in our catechism classes at some point. But what are they really, and what role do they actually play in our lives? Are they just a list of sentiments or feelings that we should strive toward or interior attitudes? Or are they a whole lot more? And we're going to talk about that tonight. Uh, In the catechism, uh, paragraph 1716, um, and then it continues on for a while about the Beatitudes, and it's just really beautiful, but... Um, It says, the Beatitudes are at the heart of Jesus' preaching. They take up the promises made to the chosen people since Abraham. The Beatitudes fulfill the promises by ordering them no longer merely to the possession of a territory, but to the kingdom of heaven. So let's do a quick reading of the Beatitudes. We're just going to kind of read through them, and for the next few weeks, we're going to break them up and talk about them in the ways that we um, have interacted with them, experienced them, and lived them in our own lives, as well as the ways that we want to live them more fully. But I'm going to go ahead and just read them through. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Matthew 5, verse 3, if you want to follow along. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the poor, or sorry, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who were before you. So I had the incredible privilege of being in a class this summer for my graduate work on the Beatitudes through the Avila Institute, which I recommend. Go check out the Avila Institute for faithful, orthodox, Catholic formation and upper-level um, studies. It's an incredible place. I know the people that are um, began Avila and run Avila personally. I know many of the professors and I just have such a respect. Some of these men are fathers to me spiritually and I've learned so much and grown from them over the years that I've been in their presence. But I want to talk about the Beatitudes because what I learned this summer really helped deepen my understanding of how impactful and important they are for our everyday lives. So one of the things that I had to read was um, was a work by Joseph Ratzinger, which you, we all know as Pope Benedict XVI. He wrote this book when he was Joseph Ratzinger, and so that's how I'm going to refer to him um, in the conversation because that's what the book was, what the book says. So he wrote a treatise on Jesus of Nazareth. Many of you are familiar with this work. You've read this work. You've read pieces of this work, but he talks about how um, the Beatitudes are the interior, and this is what he says. 
They are the interior atmosphere or the interior attitude of Jesus himself externalized. So really what they are is the motivations, the mind of God, and the way that the mind of God works and how when we participate in them and practice them, we can begin to share more fully in his divine life. And that's kind of the essence of what he talks about. And then the church fathers talk about this as well. Uh, we don't really have time to go into that, but in the show notes, I'll link some of that stuff and I'll have some of the, some books for you to read further. But I just wanted to lay some anchors down for our discussion about the Beatitudes, about how important they are um, in our lives, because they really are the way that we come to inherit all of the promises of God. And I want to say that again. Through the practice, the actions of the Beatitudes, we come to inherit all that belongs to us as believers in the Holy Spirit. And the kingdom of God comes on this earth when Christians practice the Beatitudes. So just having those anchors down is going to help us in our discussion uh, today as we're kind of piecing through all of these. And I wanted to add one more thing about something that, uh, one of the distinctions that St. Thomas of St. Thomas Aquinas made about the Beatitudes that I'd never really heard before is that he goes really far to try to make sure we understand that Beatitudes are not like virtuous longings or desires or feelings that we might have toward other people. They are concrete actions that we take that define us as Christians and define our identity with the mission of Christ. So these are far more important than just attitudes that we should be, if you know what I mean. Get it? Mm -hmm. See what I did there? They are actually the litmus test for our identifying with his mission. Well, it's really interesting you say it because I never thought of it this way until you said it, that they almost, like they go with the corporal works of mercy. Yeah. And so, yeah, like this is what we're supposed to be doing to go out and, you know, help the mournful and help the, yeah. Like, I don't, I just, I hadn't thought about that way before yeah, until you just so said that. Yeah, there's so many connections mm -hmm. between the whole testimony of the gospel and the Beatitudes that it's staggering when you begin to read some of these early church fathers and some of these doctors of our faith and these holy fathers writing these beautiful things, we come to understand that these are things we need to pay much closer attention to in our lives because they actually determine our ability to experience those little mini heavens that come from our you know, having the power of the Holy Spirit come to our aid and all the joy that he brings. We can't have that without the Beatitudes. And that's a promise from God. Eight of them. Eight okay. promises. <laughs> so let's unpack them. Well, this week we're going to be unpacking two of them, which are, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Uh, this is probably still a little bit more general, but... I really liked what Lauren just said again, because the way I've always kind of used, I don't know, use is like a weird word, but that's the best I can come up with right now, is use these as more, you know, like how we use the Psalms. Like this was always like kind of my go-to, like a lot of people have a favorite Psalm or a favorite, you know, um, proverb they like to go to. This has always been my go-to, like if I'm mm. in... Um, this and the prayer of St. Francis have always been like my, like if I'm just having like this really desolate time or a really mm -hmm. tribulous time or just trying, um, those two are the, like, I'll go through this, I'll read it 
several times and reflect on it. And then I also have the prayer of St. Francis. And so to hear the, about how more action-oriented this is instead of just internal is kind of like this light bulb coming on. Okay, because I've always, this is almost like God's love letter to me, if that makes any sense. So, but then like to hear that, okay, so I've written you this love letter, but now you're supposed to share that love with others, is to act out that love and to be that love. Um, it's kind of like a, like I said, the next step or whatever, the, the evolution of that love letter. When I think about, Something that I know when we were researching this, one of the things that we read in the Catechism, it talks about how one orders one's life to the kingdom through the Beatitudes. So in reality, your your spirit, when you're going to this comfort, what you're really seeking is to be reordered to the kingdom. You're feeling out of, you know, and so that, that makes so much sense to go to the Beatitudes. And it's so beautiful that you see that as a love letter. I think a lot of people approach this as a to-do list which may or may not be bad, depending on your personality. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's more about a to-be list, or a to-seek list, almost. Because what he's asking us to do is to be poor in spirit. And there, there are many, so many of the church fathers talk about how you cannot access the kingdom of God unless you are poor. And that language is really prevalent. Even when Jesus spoke, there's a, a real thread there of, you know, poorness and spirit, meekness, um, understanding who you are with God and that you on your own can offer nothing and that whatever he offers is what you need to survive. That spirit is what Jesus had and you see this in the way he talks about doing the will of the Father. I came to do the will of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father who sent me. I don't say anything except what my Father tells me to say. And you see him saying this all the time. There's this sense of my entire existence depends on what the Father does and gives and says to me today. Not on my own power, not on my own abilities, not on my own talents. And so this striving to be poor in spirit, I guess what I want to say is what does that look like? So for those who are like me and you hear the like phrasing poor in spirit or the any of these other like biblical phrasing are like what the heck in the world is that like meaning because it's like when I think of, you know, the term poor, a lot of times you're thinking like you're lacking mm -hmm. in something. And um, the Ignatius Study Bible, um, the notes on this um, describe it rather, those who recognize their need for God and his grace. Unattached to this world, they find their security in the Lord and rely on his mercy rather than their merits or material wealth. The spiritually poor can also be economically poor, for these are often rich in faith. Um, it references James 2.5. This full possession of the kingdom will be theirs at the final judgment. It references Matthew 25.34 in the Catechism, paragraph 2.544-47 two, um, for further you know, reading on that. But um, I, like, I like how that was put, though. Like, it was like, it's not that we're, you know, like that to be poor in spirit, that you're like that you're lacking in spirit, you're lacking in anything, or it's that you recognize that you alone, that you're, that you can't, that it's not you who can do this, but it's God. And then you have that recognizing that you, I mean, there is a lacking, because you, but you recognize that it's not 
Well, I think it's, you. it's a, yeah, it's lacking in pride. Right. And it's gaining, like, humility. And mm-hmm. specifically looking towards God. Mm-hmm. Here's how this plays out in my life. I'm just going to be real honest. Um, I tend to view projects that I take on as if they depend on me. And I will work myself into the ground because it is my stamp and my reputation and my work ethic. And I want it to be well. And there's nothing inherently wrong with wanting to work hard and do well. Um, But it can certainly take on an aspect of this all depends on me, particularly with my children's spiritual life, with my family life. It sometimes feels like everything depends on me, or even in the home. Like, do you guys just ever feel full in spirit? <laughs> like, in a not good way? Like, there's so much on your shoulders. But you're crushing it, so it's all you? No, I, no well, maybe, in, or, or like, I have to crush it. Yeah, yeah. Or else everything will fall to the, to the ground. If I move one inch, Everything's going to come crashing down and nothing's going to go right. And it's literally all on you. And I know that there's someone out here that can relate to this. This feeling that I have is needs to be traded for an ordering towards God and saying, God, this is so overwhelming. Please bear this burden. I cannot do it by myself. Infuse my work with your anointing. Show me what's important. I don't. I heard something the other day that just literally was so convicting. It said, "You need to treat eternal things as they are." This is again the value treating things according to their value. This is very Thomistic, you know. Uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand talks a lot about this, but values based responding to the corresponding value. Treat eternal things as if they are eternal, and treat passing things as if they are passing. And boy, did my heart go thunk. <laughs> Because I'm like, I'm looking at the dirty corners on my floor, and my house is dirty, and you know, or I'm I'm behind on this project, or I haven't responded to this email, and I feel that full in spirit, you know, like I'm so full of that. And I, what God is, I think what God, and this is in my life, and I don't mean to hog, and I'm going to be quiet here in just a minute. I think for me, what poor in spirit looks like when I think of actions, is. Physically surrendering that stuff to God by speaking it out loud and saying, "My Lord, I have, I have made, I have made things of this world. I've treated them as if they were eternal, as if it were all on me, and I it counts for eternity, and it doesn't. And I get flipped around a lot. It's just my personality. I do. So for me, poor in spirit means laying down all of those things that make me self-important, you know, that depend on me, and inviting the Holy Spirit in to diffuse." some of this stuff and give me clarity on what he actually thinks is important. So I had a feeling the other day, I was like, how much of what I am doing is what you want me to be doing? And how much of what I am doing is what I have taken on because of my own self-importance? Y'all. It's <laughs> really convicting. I believe it's you. No. <laughs> like, really, it was... For, so for me, and I don't... I really realize I'm talking too long. I just... I want to bring it back to actions. Mm-hmm. What can we do? We'll see. And I, I'm oh, sorry. No. You were just talking so long. I just had to try to get in yes, there. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know. Shut up. Come on, okay, you should talk. Alicia is salty <laughs> pregnant. 
And we just love, we love salty. Oh, my poor family. She's salty and sweet, though. It's like salted caramel ice cream. Oh, you don't know me right now. Oh, I'm so cranky. It's bad. Uh, No, but, uh, no, I just had a moment like that um, this, like, couple days ago. I had my first full-on hormonal pregnancy cry. Because I am, the fatigue that I'm feeling is very intense. And, like, I started my school's, my kid's school in July. And I have a project that me and my husband are working on that hasn't gotten done in forever. And I want to get it done. I've got, you know, the house that's falling apart. My husband's out of town right now. And so I've got everything on my shoulders right now. And, you know, in terms of, like, the kids and everything that we've got to do. I, I just, I was feeling so overwhelmed because I was thinking, like, I don't know if I can continue to school my children and be able to take care of this project and be able to take care of the home and everything else that I need to take care of right now because by the afternoon I am just so dead tired I can it's hard to get off the couch right now and my plan was to school them until October take the whole of October off so that we could go on field trips or you know still do learning in that way but like spend the time outside because it's going to be beautiful and then when the baby is born um, and, you know, the beginning of the year, take that whole month off. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a perfect plan. I got this. And now I'm thinking, like, I don't know if I can do this because I haven't been able to school for the last two weeks hardly. And so I just broke down in tears. I was on the phone with my mother-in-law, my poor mother-in-law. <laughs> I was trying to, like, hold it together. And I, was, I can't remember what we were talking about. But I got off the phone. I just bawled. And my child's, like, looking at me like, Mom, what's wrong? But anyway, so it was just, it was one of those, like, I had to take a minute and I just let myself cry, let myself feel all the overwhelming and the burden of all of it. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I was like, I just need to give this to God. This just, this has to be surrendered to God. Like, he put this child here right now. He means for this child to be here. This is just the season of my life where I'm pregnant and hormonal and tired. And so I just have to give it to him. And if I give it to him and I don't withhold anything from him, it's going to be fine. Like it might not work out. Obviously it's not working out the way that I want it to. It might be difficult, which it is, but he'll make it beautiful. He'll make it into something worthwhile. He'll put purpose in it for me and for my family. And so I'm just, ever since I just kind of released that to God, like those feelings still come up of being annoyed by this frustrated and feeling overwhelmed. But I just keep giving it back to him the best that I can when I remember to. And it has brought a lot of peace for me. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears a little bit to the, like we've talked a lot about the blessed are the poor in spirit and kind of what that means to, um, means in our lives. And it's like, I feel like that one's really, can be like really relatable at this point. Like with how Lauren uh, explained, especially like with like feeling all that like I have the the visual and the song pressure from Encanto stuck in my head right now um <laughs> for yeah there but, are seasons like that yeah and um but like trying to like recognizing like not you know like how that um how to really just release it to God but then like um I wanted to look now at the the second uh, beatitude blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted like there's I feel like there can be a like this balance that you try and have like see either are like when you're in, in a stage of like grief like so like uh like i'll read again from the ignatius study bible it says those who lament the present state of this life 
This includes weeping for sins as well as the grief that comes when the saints are made to suffer for their faith. In the life to come, they will be comforted by God who wipes away every tear. So this is talking about those who are mourning, like, what is going on in the world? <laughs> like, or what is, like, how our life is now? But there's also that mourning of just anything, anything that grieves us, and, like, whether it's, like, the loss of, some, of somebody close to you. Um, and I know, like, I find that it's, there's been times where it seems like we need to, like, you know, you have to be strong. Like, I was, you know, I being the, the middle child that's like the job mm -hmm. of the middle child. That's I feel like, like to, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so like when, when I took care of the stuff with, uh, when my dad was sick and then when he died and like, it was just constantly like, well, I just had to kind of hold it together. This is what, you know, I had to take care of this, that, and the other and be that, um, you know, that person who, you know, controlled that, I could, you know, control those, those things. And, um, I know, there's been other times, like other times where it's just like, you, you don't want to allow, you know, really, it's really allowing God to let you be sad. Like it's okay. And then, um, and I, you know, I've talked about grief with, with some other people about like, it's like, and I know that this is something that's discussed on thinking like grief and stuff. It's not something you get over, but it's something that you just kind of learn to like, it's just part of you now. Um, just that that attitude knowing that like we are like comforted in this life and the other and then like the the like the ignatius study about like the what it was saying about it is like for the state of life and it's okay to be upset with other like that there's sin in this world like we shouldn't just be okay with like well you know like in this day and age there's so much of well let them be them you know or like the do that do you do you and, um, but I hadn't really thought about it in the way of saying that, 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 that blessed are those who mourn is about being, I don't know, not necessarily just like disappointed in, in sin, but like That's really lamenting that sin exists and that, and like, and the fact that like this attitude of Christ is that there is sin, like we are sad, like this, that's, but. And it's harming people. God. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you think about the souls of people that you know, how many people are destining themselves for hell, right? And that's not something to judge. You don't go about it judging that, about those people and say. And I, I mean, I could say that about myself as well because you know when I commit sin and when I'm in the habit of sin and such, I think a lot of people will take on a lot of Christians will take on, and I have in the past as well. You see somebody doing something that's obviously wrong. And I think that's something that's actually very prevalent in our society right now mm -hmm. is people like on social media and such, you know, um, talking about, you know, this is A, B and C, what this person is doing and doing it in such a judgmental way. And that's kind of like that click, like that's how they get their their views and stuff or whatever is by judging these people, making fun of them and cracking jokes and things like that. But we are we aren't called to judge those people. We're called to look at them. And with honest, um, I guess, genuine sorrow in our hearts, say, you know, out of love for you. Like, I don't want this for you. Like, I want you to know Christ. I want you to know Jesus and pray for that person because prayer is um, effective. It is advantageous. And you can be the miracle for somebody through prayer, with that, prayer for them. But, um, 
yeah, just looking at the world and, and yeah, not judging, but truly wanting the good for the people, for everybody. Because that's what God wants. He created them not because he wanted them to go to hell, but because he thought of them, he loved them, and created them for love. You see a lot of, there's a deeper layer to this too, um, in some of the writings of Pope Francis and Pope John Paul II, that in regards to accompaniment with other people, uh, mourning with those who are mourning. And the way that this, and I'd like to take a different track on that, I think when we put ourselves in line with the Holy Spirit, the things that grieve the heart of God, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the phrase, break my heart for the things that break your heart. You begin to grieve for the same things that God grieves, and always it goes back to people. And if we look at Jesus, what we see is Jesus coming to people who are in positions of vulnerability, who are in, for whatever reason, by the way, are in a position of being marginalized, vulnerable because of their own sin, vulnerable because of what's been done to them and the sins of others. And he mourns with them in his accompaniment and the way he witnesses and sees them. He looks at people without judgment, like what Alicia was saying. And he says, your pain affects me. And your pain, I implicate myself, and this is a quote from Dr. Anthony Lillis, I implicate myself in your pain. That's mercy. So to mourn with others too, there's a layer of this where we mourn with the Holy Spirit. Conversely, we mourn with others who are in sin because all sin results from wounding. It comes from our, our natural innate concupiscence, which causes us to move away from God, self-sufficient, to try to be self-sufficient and to wound others in that process. Am I wrong? That's what sin is. It's a, it's it's what it's an eter- it's choosing a moment of right now over eternity. That's what it is. When we choose sin, we choose right now over what we know the eternal good is. We choose that immediate feel good. And we hurt each other and we hurt ourselves. And so when I think of mourning in terms of an action I think of putting myself in a position to receive God's spirit of mourning for the people that he is mourning over and the re- and expressing it in a way that he would express that mourning instead of judging it. I think we need to I think we need to mourn where people can see us mourning for them and with them. Well, um, not necessarily mourning for sin, but we, you know, we're talking about also talking about these as part of like how they've worked in our lives. But that particular particular beatitude, like I said before, like this is kind of a love letter to, for me for a long time. When um, I had my miscarriage, that was the one that was kind of my like go to um, Lexio Divina, that line over and over and over again. And, um, just knowing that, that that promise, like we talked about, and it says here in the Catechism that these Beatitudes are God's promises to us. And so knowing that that promise is there, that I will be comforted, some, you know, I, but the grief doesn't go away, but I'm comforted within my grief, if that makes any sense. And so I just, I love how broad this one line is. You like we're talking about are in ourselves and internally and the things that we experience and the things that we experience in the world. And um, 
going through the catechism again, I'm going to kind of jump around in the paragraphs here, but I think it kind of, the way I'm going to jump around, I think kind of ties what we've talked about up, if that makes any sense. Um, it says that the, be the Beatitudes respond to the natural desire for happiness, but this desire is of divine origin. God has placed it in the human heart in order to draw man to the one who alone can fill it, which we talked about when we talked earlier. But it, also, it goes on to say that the Beatitudes are, the Beatitude is, the, is a vocation. It talks about it as a vocation. It says this vocation is addressed to each individual personally, but also to the church as a whole which I think we just touched on that too, that we each have our personal message within the Beatitudes, that God is bringing us closer to him through, but also communally. And um, let's see, the new people made up of those who have accepted the promise and live from it in faith. Beatitude, the vocation of Beatitude, makes us partakers of the divine nature and of eternal life. With beatitude, man enters into the glory of Christ and into the joy of the, tri the Trinitarian life. The beatitude, the beatitude we are promised confronts us with decisive moral choices. It invites us to purify our hearts of bad instincts and to seek the love of God above all else which I think is what we were talking about, how we mourn because others are sin or we have our own mourning that is going on, whether that's a sin or of things that have happened to us. And then the poor of spirit, we let God in and he takes, he bears that yoke with us. And something that has been a, a theme throughout many of our episodes is that we are to walk together in this and there was one part that I didn't say, but I loved it too. The uh, Beatitudes are the paradoxical promises that sustain hope in the midst of tribulations. And I think that's what, when we're talking about poor spirit and blessed are those that mourn, that, that's what we're talking about. Walking together, letting Christ walk with us, letting him bear that yoke with us, not getting rid of it, but bearing it with us. And within that is where we find joy, true joy and happiness. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, may God bless you and may Mary accompany you. Coffee and Catholics is a proud partner of the Smart Catholics Podcast Network. Find new shows to love, meet like-minded Catholics, then join the community at smartcatholics.com.